Mr. Stick-haired politician I got some news for you If you wanna come and try to take my guns Boy, you better be bulletproof And don't try to tell my children When and where to pray No, we ain't that far gone We're still standing on Land of the free and the home of the brave No, I'm not your normal political society This is coming from real America's son and pissed off rednecks like me. Welcome to the program, everybody. Starting the fourth quarter, Scott Beeson Radio. Chris Reed is on the program with me. We're about to bring in our guest, who is John Malcolm from the Heritage Foundation that has recently published a blog laying out at least, I think, six of the possible candidates that the president may be looking at for the U.S. Supreme Court. John, welcome to the program. Good to be with you. Yeah, fantastic. We appreciate you taking some of your time to uh, kind of inform us of what's going on. Could you just kind of tell us where you think the president is and who some of the people are that that he's looking at? Sure. Well, he's got this terrific list of 25, I was about to say 25 judges, actually 24 of them are judges, plus there's Senator Mike Lee, uh, this, you know, short list of uh, potential Supreme Court nominees. The president has announced that he is going to name his pick on Monday, uh, you know, July uh, the 9th, he has said that he's interviewed, or yesterday that he interviewed four people. He was going to interview two or three more. Uh, it's difficult to know exactly who he is interviewing, but I, as you said, I've come out with a, a blog today with sort of who the, the people I think are the top six. Now, now where uh, could people find that blog? Sure, they can go to the dailysignal.com, uh, which is uh, Heritage's blog site, and they can look for the blog. It's called Meet the, si- the Six Stellar Judges Leading the Pack on Trump's Supreme Court Shortlist. Okay, we'll try to – well, I would tell my listeners that I would put that on the website or tweet it out, but that would be a fabrication because I don't do that very well. So <laughs> so they'll just have to go find it at dailysignal.com. Yeah, I'll, I'll tweet it out for everybody. Be, be, Chris will do it. Uh, John, one thing I wanted to really get your take on it – take on because – you know, like the speculation on who's going to be there is interesting, but what I really would love is for you just to give what do you think the impact is going to be of having a conservative court on the next few years as far as decisions? And what do you think, like, how do you think America may be different when it comes to issues like uh, Roe v. Wade or free speech? And, like, what do you think that's going to look like practically for our listening audience, the fact that we're going to get this appointment? Sure. That's a, that's a, a lot to take in. So let me try to unpack that a little bit. So Anthony Kennedy, uh, the justice who just retired and is going to be replaced, he's been a judge for 43 years, 30 of them on the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, and he has been the quintessential swing vote. So over the last five years, whenever there was a five to four decision, Justice Kennedy voted with the majority 90 percent of the time. Uh, No one else was was even close to that. He's been referred to as King Kennedy. I would often quip that it's Anthony Kennedy's world and we just live in it. Uh, (laughs) And while he often sided with the conservatives on a whole slew of really important issues like the Second Amendment, the Heller decision, and Citizens United, you know, free speech and campaign finance laws, and actually a lot on religious liberty cases too, there's no question that on occasion he sided uh, with the more liberal members of the court, uh, striking down some abortion uh, restrictions. He was clearly the, the court's leader when it came to gay rights, 
limiting the death penalty, establishing habeas corpus rights for Gitmo detainees in the Boumediene decision. Uh, so he was your crossover guy. Now, he actually wasn't this last term. There were 19 five to four decisions this past term, and he voted with the conservatives uh, in all of them. And actually, the swing voter this, you know, the swing vote this year was Chief Justice John Roberts. And that's significant because if Anthony Kennedy is, in fact, replaced with a more reliable conservative uh, justice, then I think that Chief Justice Roberts will go back to being the swing uh, voter. And that has an impact in terms of answering your question, for instance, about you know Roe versus Wade. So Justice uh, Kennedy voted in a number of cases, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, other cases, to to uphold the guts of Roe versus Wade, to trim it back a little bit, but to basically affirm you know the core holding of Roe versus Wade. And I don't know whether, you know, with a let's let's assume you picked a justice who was in favor of overturning Roe versus Wade. It's unclear whether the other conservative justices would go along. The only justice on the court now who's clearly staked out a position uh, in favor of overturning Roe versus Wade is Clarence Thomas. Um, but, you know, look, over time, there are only nine of these members on the court. Their votes do count. The most contentious issues that come up to the court, including abortion, tend to be five to four decisions. And so it can have an impact uh, over time. But the Democrats, of course, are saying this is it. Roe versus Wade is going to be overturned. And, you know, and dogs are going to sleep with cats and horrible things are going to happen to our society. And I don't think that is likely to happen. And if it does happen, it is certainly likely to happen, not likely to happen overnight or anything close to it. That's good. Our listening audience does not want the dogs and the cats sleeping together anytime <laughs> soon. I'm yeah, that'd be bad. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, so let me ask you a question a little bit about, and then I want to get back to the nominees. This is Scott again. Sure. Chief Justice Roberts. Yeah. When Chief Justice Roberts was appointed and confirmed, uh, a lot of conservatives thought or people around the country thought, okay, he's going to be conservative, it's, it's, it's fantastic, et cetera, et cetera. And I had someone who told me, and I wish I could remember who it was, who said, don't be too excited about it because he's a big government guy. He's a federal government first kind of guy, which, which I think that kind of bore out in the Obamacare decisions. So how do we end up with Republican presidents appointing justices that, that many of us out in the rank-and-file world, the grassroots world, think are going to be conservative, then they get to the court and may or may not be. And I'm not beating up on Chief Justice right. Roberts, per se, right. but but we're always told, well, he was a Reagan appointee, therefore he's supposed to be conservative. He was an Obama appointee, he's supposed to be liberal. The liberal judges seem to fulfill their promise the conservative justices seem to kind of waver. Um, how does that happen? Is it part of the confirmation process? Is it because we always seem to pick Ivy League folks who have it just, you know, boiled into their system? I mean, I don't, I don't see any University of Alabama law school folks being up for the Supreme Court on on some of these lists. Well, it's a really good. It, it's a good point, and it's hard to say. I mean, these are people who are life tenured. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, they're strong-willed people. Uh, and, you know, once they're on the court, it's very difficult. You, you, you really can't remove them. Uh, and you are right. So the Democrats have done a really very solid job of on the issues that they care about, of nominating fairly consistently liberal, if you will, 
uh, judges. It doesn't mean that, you know, so Stephen Breyer and Elena Kagan, on some cases, will side with the conservatives. You can't always paint with a broad brush. No. But the last time you would, if you ask, you know, Democrats, like, who's the last Supreme Court appointee by a Democratic president who disappointed you, you'd probably have to go all the way back, believe it or not, to Byron Wizard White, who was named by Justice, you know, by, by President John Kennedy. Now, you ask a Republican, that president, you know, that question, you get, you know, an easy answer. William Brennan and, oh. and Harry Blackman were appointed, you know, by, by Earl so Earl Warren and Bill Brennan were, were both appointed by Dwight Eisenhower. When Dwight Eisenhower left the, left the office, somebody asked him whether you ever made any mistakes when you were president. He said, yeah, I made two of them, and they're both on the Supreme Court. <laughs> and you could then look at Harry Blackman. You could look at David Souter. You could look at Sandra Day O'Connor, mm-hmm. who's in the middle on a lot of issues. You could look at, you know, Anthony Kennedy on uh, on a number of the issues. And, you know, I will say in, in Chief Justice Roberts' defense that he's actually been uh, a pretty conservative justice, although there are those two Obamacare decisions. And it's a little bit like saying, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the show? <laughs> right, right. You know, because everybody looks at, at NFIB versus Sebelius, which was the first case, King versus Burwell, which is the second one, and conservatives will never forgive him for that. And perhaps they shouldn't. But on a number of other issues, he's been a, a pretty conservative justice. He, he deviated a little bit. He sided with the liberals in a, a big Fourth Amendment case this year called Carpenter, which had to do with whether or not you know, the feds would have to go get a warrant before getting cell site location. Right, records. right. But he's been a, you know, pretty solid on things like racial preferences and you know, the First Amendment. Um, but so, yeah, so is it because, John, is it because we fall into the trap of, and the president's doing a little bit of it, I'm not going to have a litmus test, I'm not going to ask them, are we not specific enough when we're, when we're vetting these people, and, and the left does, because they don't care, these are their issues, and, and you better be for it? I mean, how do we, how do we drop the ball? Well, I, I, you know, I, it's hard to say. I don't know who engages in litmus testing. I don't know whether Barack Obama was asking Sonia Sotomayor or Elena Kagan, you know, what they thought about all sorts of hot button issues. And I don't know whether Donald Trump's doing it. They all say that they don't do it, and I actually take them at their word. But right. you, you should have a real track record Correct. Uh, of, of writings, judicial opinions, in which you can say, well, okay, I now know what you think about textualism. I now know what you think about originalism. I know that you're going to, even in tough cases, apply the law as it was written according to its original public meaning, and you're not going to try to pour into the Constitution or statutes your personal or your political preferences. And I think that we have done an inadequate job of Vetting. I mean, part of this. So you you need somebody who's fair. You want somebody who's independent. You want somebody who's a committed textualist, a committed originalist, and they've also got to have a tough backbone because you're going to come out with opinions that are going to upset people. Sometimes they'll upset upset people on your side. Yes. But certainly, if you're going to come out with conservative opinions, you're going to invoke the ire of the editorial pages of the New York Times. You're not going to be welcome at the cocktail circuit in Georgetown. You may not be able to eat at a restaurant in D.C. now. You may not. You might become the next Sarah, you know, Huckabee Sanders, get thrown out of the red hen. Right. And And you've got to be prepared to say, you know, that's fine. My friends are still my friends. The dog still, you know, wags his tail when I walk through the door. And there's a restaurant down the block that looks just as good. I'll go there. See, that's and, what I- And that, you know, it, it, takes a, it takes a tough person who is very sure of themselves, not in the sense of being cocky, but confident that their approach 
is the right one. Yeah, that's. A, I agree with that. I actually, I remember when I was an intern at Heritage, they they were talking about how sometimes it was when the, some, these justices would move to D.C., they kind of buy into the liberal culture, and the ones that were a little squishy would kind of just go with the flow. And so the reason I like what you did and other people who were uh, part of making that list is you all vetted it so well, and that way, like virtually – I don't have a problem with anybody – on that a serious problem with anyone on the list and so what what Trump actually did in 2016 was the most you could actually do to ensure that you're not going to end up with a Brennan or you're not going to end up with a Warren and that's why I like the fact that voters could decide in 2016 okay this is the justices that Trump may appoint and that way people can know all right these are all people that we can pretty much trust but now that but since you had a hand in drafting that and doing that if it goes wrong uh, we can hold you. It's your John, fault, you're John. Gonna be it's going to be your fault. Yeah, we'll blame you for it. <laughs> I will not be welcome in Alabama. I can say that <laughs> yeah, well, John Malcolm <laughs> is our guest. He's from the Heritage Foundation. We're talking a little bit about the possible appointees to the Supreme Court that Trump is looking at, and uh, we will be right back. You're listening to Scott Beeson Radio. We ain't about to get any long and I know why You think we owe you when we don't Yeah, there's a welfare line Wrapping round Main Street That money ought to help our boys Coming back from overseas We're gonna paint this country red like Reagan Gonna shoot our guns Gonna eat our bacon There's a great big bald eagle Who's smiling on us Soldiers who died for your privilege to fuss If you want to leave, you can't take it no more And I'll show you the damn door Welcome back to the program, Scott Beeson Radio. Finishing up, Chris Reed is with me. John Malcolm from the Heritage Foundation is on the program with us talking about the folks on not only on the 25-member list short list for the U.S. Supreme Court, but the the condensed version is down to around six or seven. John, thank you for being with us on the show. And real quick question, have you ever considered having your name on this list? <laughs> well, there was a time in, in, in my career when I definitely wanted to be uh, a judge, but, you know, I, I think one that time is probably coming and gone. But in addition to that, I'm very happy uh, here at the Heritage Foundation where I get to uh, be involved in a whole slew of public policy issues and contribute to the conservative legal movement. So I'm, I'm a content guy. Good, fa- fantastic That's answer. The best Good answer. Best but answer of course, we've of ever course heard. If he got if he got appointed, he would totally take it like <laughs> every one of us would. But. <laughs> Absolutely. So Absolutely. can you can you run us through? I know there's been a number of articles out, and and reading your blog, I can tell that the articles were written by reading your blog. But um, Amy Coney Barrett is. Um, at least number one on your list that may have been done alphabetically, but uh, tell us about some of the folks or maybe the couple of people who you think are at the top of the list or the most likely. We only have about three or four minutes left in the program. Sure. So it, it was done alphabetically. I'll, I'll name the I'll name the six and I'll run through them quickly. Yes, sir. So Brett Kavanaugh is a judge on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, worked in the Bush White House. Uh, in the White House Counsel's Office. He was actually on my list of people whom I thought would be superb Supreme Court uh, justices. He's going to be clearly a top contender. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett, brand-new judge, 
on the Seventh Circuit, uh, was a law professor at Notre Dame for a long time, distinguished academic, great writer, held up as grace under fire during her confirmation hearings uh, when Diane Feinstein, for instance, uh, said that the, the dogma lives strongly in her because she's devout Catholic and, and she was just as calm, cool, and collected as she could be. Yes. Amul Thapar, uh, who is a circuit court judge in the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, was a district court judge for a long time. He was the second judge named by President Trump right after Neil Gorsuch, very distinguished guy, uh, has done a lot of great writing. He's not only written a number of opinions since he's been an appellate judge, but he wrote a number of appellate opinions when he was a district court judge and sat by designation with the Court of Appeals. Very thoughtful guy. He's a strong contender. Ray Kethledge, uh, his fellow Sixth Circuit member, uh, very distinguished uh, career. I think is going to get some serious consideration. And the last two are, are Thomas Hardiman, who was a Third Circuit judge. He was the runner-up when Neil Gorsuch uh, got it. Great guy. have gotten to know him. Solid on the Second Amendment. Solid on religious liberty. Serves on the court with the president's sister. They have a close relationship. He you know, was runner-up last time. He's going to get a serious look. And the last person who was on my list is also on the Sixth Circuit, uh, Joan Larson. She was a former Scalia clerk. Worked on. She was a judge uh, or justice on the Michigan Supreme Court until she got elevated to the Sixth Circuit by President Trump. So, which ones of those have the 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 most proven track record that that meet the the guidelines or the tenets that you were saying earlier? Who have actually ruled conservatively, strict constructionist? Um, you know, solid and can take the pressure. Is there a different, or are you putting all of them kind of in the same place? Like Barrett, you were talking about being new. She did a yeah. great job in the in the confirmation hearings, but but I I do want a proven record. Yeah, no. So if you were looking at people who don't have as much of a judicial track record, uh, Amy Barrett and Joan Larson would fit into that category, although both of them, particularly Barrett, have written a lot on, on issues that, that we would care about, and most importantly, their approach to, to judging. Thapar, Kethledge, Hardiman, Kavanaugh, uh, you know, all have their opinions that some conservatives will like and dislike, but their approach to judging is very solid, in my opinion. They've been judges for a very long time. Uh, have an extensive written record and one that they should be proud of. Yeah, I, I think like you, what you said, they're all exceptional. I like uh, Brent Kavanaugh. I think he's, I think I like what he's written on several different things. And he's 53, so he could be there for a very long time. But next time you make a list, just make sure you put Chris Reed, 34, solid conservative former heritage <laughs> guys. Like I'll take one for the team and become a Supreme Court justice. And I'll be like, I'm willing to do it, just sacrifice myself. <laughs> yeah. And it will be very important for the U.S. Senators to know that there were some places he was a little soft, but after a year <laughs> or so of training on this program, those things are ironed out, and he's ready for the long haul. Yes. Well, that's good. You know, you got to warm up a little bit before you're ready for the big leagues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So what do you think – I know the left is going to act apoplectic no matter what, or at least that's what it looks like they're communicating to us. Uh, how far do you think this goes? Is this, is this a, a Bork type of treatment? Uh, oh, we only have about 50 well, seconds. I'm sorry, but go ahead. Yes. Look, it's, this is going to make the Gorsuch confirmation hearing seem like British. Hey, we got to go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. The uh, computer no took over, John. Have a great day. Thanks for being here.